WXDX-FM, Pittsburgh. Sunday at Cleveland. They need to. You can't put Levy on Bell in the rearview mirror, but the only way to put Bell on the back burner is to win. Otherwise, on Monday, after you lose, Bell is all people going to talk about. This is the Mark Madden Show. 412-333-WXDX is the number to call to go one-on-one with the great one. Or you can follow me on Twitter at MarkMaddenX. Today is the day I make my annual Steelers season prediction. Right on the money in four of the last six years. Just one win off in the other two. That's going to take place at 4 p.m. Here's my key matchups for the game at Cleveland. One with the Bullets. Villanueva against Miles Garrett. For the sake of keeping Ben alive. Never mind upright, alive. Villanueva has to at least control Miles Garrett. This won't be as tough as Afghanistan, so Villanueva should have no problem. Mike Hilton against Jarvis Landry. Landry's a great slot receiver, and Hilton is a pretty good slot corner. James Conner has to be adequate, at least. Ben and Antonio Brown can't be too rusty. The Steelers' defense... Can't be too bad. That big tight end can't kill the Steelers. Uh, Njoku, the six foot four guy. There are some other factors, but I don't think Tyrod Taylor is going to explode. Josh Gordon is dealing with injury. I keep coming back to Ben staying upright, and that means Villanueva containing Garrett. Oh, by the way, moments ago, the Steelers' injury report came out. Tight end Vance McDonald is officially ruled out. Will not play at Cleveland. That makes Jesse James the number one tight end. Grimble's coming off thumb surgery, so Bucky Hodges may be elevated from the practice squad. Uh, Considering what a doozy of a week this has been, you don't want to start your season off with a loss to Cleveland. Oh, I almost forgot a couple X factors. Uh, One is Todd Haley, Cleveland's offensive coordinator. Todd Haley outsmarting himself, as he so often does. And uh, Ben being the winningest quarterback in the history of Brown Stadium, which is just too funny. Uh, We'll go into detail uh, about that factoid uh, a bit later. Uh, Last night was the official National Football League uh, opener. Uh, Atlanta lost at Philadelphia 18-12. Matt Ryan, the Falcons quarterback, had five shots at the end zone from the 10-yard line to end the game and no dice. It's fun to finally watch games that count. Those exhibition games were like nursing a kidney infection. Then again, last night, uh, it was exciting, but I wouldn't call it well played. 26 penalties were committed. 
for a total of 236 yards. Eight first downs came by penalty. That's because the starters for every team barely play in the exhibitions, so the level of execution isn't very good. Especially with Matt Ryan. I mean, Julio Jones had a pretty good night. Ten catches, 169 yards, but Matt Ryan nonetheless sucked. Colin Coward had a great take today on Matt Ryan. He said, if you take away Matt Ryan's one good year, Matt Ryan's Andy Dalton. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He's Andy Dalton. Boy, Coward's so good. You know how you can tell how much I respect Coward and how good I think he is? When I rip him off, I quote him, give him credit. Everybody else I just rip off. Uh, I don't want to dwell on the Lev Bell situation, but yesterday a few of the Steelers who had ripped Bell backpedaled a bit, most notably David DeCastro. DeCastro actually said yesterday, we love Le'Veon. Okay, guys, get a room. Antonio Brown was kissing Bell's backside on social media. And I can't help but wonder if that wasn't at the request of Steelers management or if you want to go in the opposite direction, the NFLPA. Because what was said by the O-linemen uh, earlier this week was players taking the side of management. That was a union member getting thrown under the bus by his union brothers. That might have played well in Yinzer Nation, but it's not a good look anywhere else, as we heard yesterday, all over the media and social media. Uh, one quick note about the Bell situation. The national media keeps saying Bell is trying to get paid, so let him alone. And the local media keeps saying, no, that's wrong. Bell is franchised. His money is locked in. Now, that's true. But Bell's holdout is about him trying to maximize his money long term. So, of course, it's about money. What else could it possibly be about? A little advice to the Pittsburgh media. You don't always have to carry water for the Steelers. That may be where safety is, but it's not where the money is. Uh, the national media is on Bell's side. Uh, the players and ex-players are on Bell's side. James Ferry with an interesting tweet I'll get to in just a little bit. But the national media mostly is blaming the Steelers for not paying them. Uh, what this is really about, more practically, is life without Bell. And the Steelers will be fine without Bell and maybe better next year. And the Steelers were right to not pay Bell that money long-term at 26 after all those touches. But Connor is not an adequate replacement in the long run. My opinion, not in the long run. Number two, okay, not a number one. Well, he'll be fine against Cleveland. He'll be fine for a while. And then the adrenaline will drop off, and it'll be purely about talent. And Jonathan Vilma, the former linebacker, was on ESPN this morning, and he's like, I know what it's like to face a guy like that, blah, blah, blah. I ignoring everything else, all the stats, and making it me, me, me. I'm like the only guy talking about this that splits the difference. I would not give Lev Bell the money and term he wants. 
but I don't blame Bell for not being there right now. What sucks for Bell is he has 840 touches over the last two years. And that's precisely why the Steelers won't give Bell a long-term contract. Uh, We have barely talked about Pitt and Penn State. Like I said, it's a tailgame party uh, disguised as a football game, disguised further as a rivalry. I'm just not invested. Now, if Pitt beats Penn State, that would be part one of a traditional chain reaction for Pitt under Pat Narduzzi. Pitt would then lose to North Carolina or another bad ACC team. Then again, Pitt might be a bad ACC team. I just saw Pitt rank number 12 out of 14 in the most recent ACC power ratings above only North Carolina State and North Carolina. We've got a scintillating show today at 3.30. It's the best football talk in town with all-time Stillers offensive line great Craig Wolfley. At 5.15, we have Andrew Gribble. He covers the Cleveland Browns for clevelandbrowns.com. I think we're kind of working ourselves into a shoot here, thinking this game's going to be tight or challenging or a risk. But I I can see the Browns covering. I still can at three and a half. I just think it's going to be one of those deals where the Steelers are up 14 and the Browns get a field goal and a late touchdown and get the backdoor cover. I think the Steelers win this game. I think there's minimal risk. But um, I said after Foster and them guys talked on Wednesday, I said the Steelers might be rattled. Well, Sunday... We'll see if they are, and it won't take long to see it. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9 X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Mark, I uh, love the show, man. Hey, Mark, how you doing, pal? All hail double M. The X at 105.9. You know what's weird about this game on Sunday? Is that X amount of people, fans, media, X amount of people are embracing Cleveland as a potential miracle team. I agree, as in it'll be a miracle if they win five games. The Browns have a lot of hype because of hard knocks. You know, the Jarvis Landry rah-rah speech, the presence of Baker Mayfield. Hard knocks always focuses on a couple fringe guys and follows them through camp and then at the end, A few of them make it. A few of them get cut. With the bronze, all the fringe guys that HBO focused on, they all got cut. And that is so Cleveland Browns. Uh, If you think the Browns are making a fresh start, I hear that term used a lot. Uh, They only got 19 players back from last year's roster. But you can't make a new start with the same coach who went 1-31 over the last two years. And Todd Haley... Won't help either. I really think by the time the season is over, the Browns will be what they always have been. And if you go from 1-15 and 15 to 4-12, and 12, does that really constitute improvement? I, it does, like, technically, but I still think Hugh Jackson loses his job. And, you know, the Browns' schedule to start, I wouldn't call it easy. What if they start at 0-5? I think you got to fire Hugh Jackson right then and there. I mean, if he's... One and 36. Yikes. You can't keep that guy around.
They should do hard knocks all season with the Cleveland Browns. That would draw monster ratings. I didn't watch all the hard knocks, but it was interesting enough with the Browns that when I flipped the dial and it was on, I watched it. Uh, something key we're going to talk about with Craig Wolfley when he joins me at the bottom of the hour. The Steelers weren't very good in the red zone last year. Uh, that's on both sides of the ball, offense and defense. Watching Matt Ryan mangle the red zone last night uh, reminded me of that. It's not about stats and numbers up and down the field. It's about points. And I'm not sure these Steelers had that proverbial red zone guy. As great as Antonio Brown is, he's not necessarily that great in all that red zone traffic. Not a proverbial red zone guy. So we'll talk about that and a whole bunch of other stuff with Craig Wolfley when he joins me at the bottom of the hour. Let's go to Joe in the car. Joe, you're talking to Mark. What up, man? What up? I don't know what the status is with all the tight ends this weekend. I know they're all banged up. Who's getting the nod, and do you see that as kind of an X factor? they got, they got two guys available. Uh, I'm assuming Grimble's still out after the thumb surgery, so it's going to be Jesse James and, and Bucky Hodges. That's all they got. And do you see that as a key to X factor against Cleveland with a subpar running game or a question mark in the running game? Well, I don't know if we can call James Conner. A, a, a subpar running game, not against Cleveland anyway. Uh, I, I'd like to have Vance McDonald available, but Jesse James has always done fine when called upon. And no matter how many guys they bring in to try to beat him out or take away playing time, he stays healthy, they get hurt, and if he could have followed through on the catch against New England, the Steelers might have won the dadgum Super Bowl. But no, I think Jesse James is good. I don't think he's a number one, but in a pinch, he has and will, again, suffice. Let's go to uh, John in Bloomfield. John, you're talking to the super genius. Hey, uh, Mark, yeah, just a little brew about the belting. Uh, is, would he be on anything enhanced or, uh, like, in, you know, he can't make it through a drug test or something like that? Just Gee, no comment. one's mentioned that this week. You're only the 15th caller since yesterday to say that he's dodging a drug test. Now, I'm not sure I know the answer to this, but it's a question worth posing. Okay. With yeah, Ted's, no, 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 no. When I say it's a question worth posing, I get to pose the question, not you. Do you really think Le'Veon Bell is stupid enough to put tens of millions of dollars at risk to smoke pot? Did he do it before? It wasn't this kind of money at risk. He was already under contract then. Okay, well, I just thought I'd throw that out there. You know, Like I said, everybody has... I, I think it's a conspiracy theory that, that's fun to talk about. I'd be surprised if that's the reality. Let's go to Mike and Mars. Mike, you're on with Double M. Mark, have you given any more thoughts to the possible Haley game plan and now the fact that they're going to be playing in the remnants of a tropical storm? This is like the perfect game for Bell to play in, but he's not. Why is it the perfect game for Bell to play in if it's going to be in the remnants of a tropical storm? Because he's a mutter. He can run, and he's hard. He just runs hard forever. I've never heard Le'Veon Bell described as a mutter in my life. And, in fact, I would think given James Conner's more straight-ahead running style, he might prosper by those circumstances if, indeed, they do prevail. But uh, I think you're overreacting. Thank you for the call. 
And that's why I rarely take calls early in the show. Because usually they just stink. If you wait till later in the show and you've made them work for it, made them stay on hold a couple times for 10 minutes or so each time, that's when the calls aren't bad. 412-333-9939. Uh, I got to get a plug in here. Norm McDonald has a show on Netflix. I posted the trailer on the Mark Madden page at WXDX.com. This is news sent down from Entertainment Heaven. Uh, Norm asked Drew Barrymore if she misses cocaine. You can't beat that. Uh, Letterman's on it. Uh, Michael Keaton. Check out the trailer. It's called Norm MacDonald Has a Show. Of, of course. I bet even Ken Griffey Jr. watches. Up next, we got all-time Steeler great Craig Wolfley here on 105.9 X. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Super genius. Yeah. Mark, love the show. Well, if I won you over by imitating Dusty Road, the man can dream. So be it, baby. The X at 105.9. Double M on the X. I'm joined now in studio. You hear him on the sidelines during Steeler games on DVE. He's an all-time Steeler great. It's Craig Wolfley. Wolf, uh, how will the Lev Bell situation play out? And what was your take on all that vitriol uh, your counterparts, the Hogs, unleashed on Wednesday? Well, you know, it it really was a, a matter of, you know, the boys were convinced he was going to be in Monday. Then they were absolutely sure he'd be in Wednesday. And that's when I think it turned form. And whatever was going on back and forth as far as guys texting him and, and uh, you know, Whatever was said, um, they they felt like the you know they had betrayed him. You know, I mean that's that's where you know people came out and you heard some pretty harsh statements. And uh, certainly for the guys, it, it really felt like you know Lev was putting himself ahead of the team. And uh, as as Marquise Pouncey said, you know th- this is bigger than business. You know th- this is this is a run for that elusive seventh Lombardi. You know, and they they're locked in, they're geared up, and they're ready to go. And it's just they. They want him. They need his skills. They want his skills. Who doesn't? Oh, no, no question. By the same token, I think when he does report, and he will, I think they'll accept him. Oh, well, I think, yeah. That's I, just how the locker room is, right, Wolf? It is. It is. But there will be some conversations, you know, and there'll be some people because, you know, there some things have been said, and you're going to have to talk through it. But that's just a part of the process of being a team and being a member of the family and being a member of that locker room, which is sacrosanct. You know what I mean? You really want to keep... Whatever business you got going, you keep it in there. Now, what are your expectations for James Conner, who by all accounts had an excellent camp, and he's a bit of a change of pace to the way Bell runs, and I think that might work in his favor early. What do you think? I think you're exactly right. You know, you look at this defensive line of the Cleveland Browns, you've got the Greg Williams wide nine. You got these guys going to jet up field. You got guys that want to create havoc. They want to... They want to play the run on the way to the quarterback, so to speak. So you got a guy that uh, this is an opportune time for James to take that ball. He's got great eyes, great vision. He cuts back so very quickly. He's decisive. So uh, I look forward to him having an opportunity to show what he can do. Look, he came into camp, and the first thing that he did was backs on backers. Now, everybody remembers the Jacksonville game first time up when he miss, missed the blitz guy, caused Ben to throw an interception. First time up, he comes up and he stuffs the first pass rusher and he stuffs uh, the next two or three. And you saw immediately there was growth. There was strength in his core. He was able to take on the rushers. 
Then you see him go on and, you know, he's able to outrun guys. He runs to the end zone on just about every carry, a la Franco Harris. You know, he's, he's got the stiff arm that he can put guys down. He can run over, run away from, and run around guys. So I really like what he brings to the dance. This is going to be big for him. Uh, and I hope it's one of those uh, storybook endings, uh, you know, first time out. Now, uh, earlier on, I talked about the Steelers' uh, ineffectiveness in the red zone last year. Uh, really on both sides of the ball, but uh, offensively you certainly expect a lot better. What do they have to do to fix that this year, Wolf? Because, as I mentioned, I'm not sure they have that proverbial red zone guy. Well, that that's there's truth. You know, now one of the answers is the fact that you got a six seven Jesse James. And Jesse has had a very good preseason and training camp. He's come out and he looks much, much better. He's a lot stronger. He's gotten to his man strength. Remember, he's still a young guy. And that six seven, he need to fill out a little bit more. And he was kind of gangly when he first got here. Right. Well now they put him in line and he can come off the ball, capture the edge setter, and walk him off the line of scrimmage. And you find that's very impressive. But he also runs good routes. They're not the speed that Advanced McDonald runs them, but he's also six seven. And even though Ben had a little trouble in the Tennessee game, overthrowing him a couple of times. I think uh, Ben will have all the all that worked out and ready to go against the Browns. But another thing you got to be able to do is an offensive line. You got to be prepared to get low, come off the ball and move some people. And I think with a James Conner and you got Rosie Nix in front of him maybe a little more fullback, you might be able to bang it in from the low red zone area. Yeah, that's that's not a bad idea. And another guy I'm kind of looking at cuz he is going to play after being hurt for a bit is James Washington because He's a high-point guy, and he's a battle-catch type of guy. And, you know, he's far from proven in the league, let alone as a red zone guy. But those qualities bode well. It does. And the fact that he's got those Inspector Gadget arms that seem to elongate to whatever he yes. I mean, he's got the wingspan of an NBA 6'6", 6'7", forward, you know. So he's able to go in there and, and really create some space for himself. He's a very physical guy. I just saw him, uh, you know, just this past week. I was talking to him. I said, how'd you hurt an oblique? I said, you're too skinny to have an oblique. Us fat guys, now we got obliques like crazy. You know, but you guys, you don't have them. But he was laughing it up a little bit. But he is certainly a guy that, especially when you put him out there and he gets uh, maybe the number three cornerback out there, he can be effective. Uh, Terrell Edmonds is going to start at strong safety. I like it, Wolf, but where's that leave Morgan Burnett? And I know he's been a bit banged up. No question about it. Terrell Edmonds is an exciting young player who's got an opportunity to get some playing time in. But I do believe they're going to call on Morgan. Morgan's got that veteranship, and you certainly want to be able to make him inclusive. He's a guy that's going to create for that defense that problem they had last year with communication and tackling. This guy's a pretty high-level tackler. He's a very high communicator. So I think he's a guy that is still going to be very, very much needed and a guy that's going to pay dividends as we move forward here. We're talking to Craig Wolfley here on the Mark Madden Show. Wolf, I want to talk to Bron- about the Browns for a bit. Is Cleveland better this year? And if so, why so? They they barely have any guys back from last year, only 19 players from last year's roster. And I guess that's good when you go 0-16. Well, yeah. I mean, they're 1-31 over the, the last oh, yeah. couple of years. I mean, and, and uh, you know, you look at this defense, again, the Greg Williams-type defense, and now you got Todd Haley going with the offense. What was always characteristic of Cleveland was a good offensive line, but you don't have that same Joe Thomas. Offense. Joe Thomas is gone. What a gone. time to retire. Well, that was weird because I thought he would see them getting a bit better and, and try to play on for at least another season, but uh, 
I guess TV beckoned. It's easier to make money that way, that's for sure. Well, I would say that 10,000-plus consecutive reps. Oh, no question. Um, Nobody's questioning his right to walk away. Yeah, I think uh, the frustration level maybe just got to be too much. And for Joe, he was such a great competitor and a great high-level performer, even in spite of the record and having go through all the frustrations and the changes that he did. But you think about it. You had Joe Thomas. You had Mitchell Schwartz, who was was left, went to Kansas City. You had Alex Mack. He's gone. Now you're talking about Joel Batonio moving out from left guard to left tackle or Desmond Harrison, a free agent uh, tackle from, I think, West Georgia. And you don't do that unless you have to. And if you have to, you might not want to. Exactly. So you've got an opportunity for Bud Dupree to be able to go out there and really get after it against maybe an undrafted free agent or a guy that, uh, you know, moving from guard to tackle is no day at the beach. Trust me, I've done it. It's not a fun thing. Uh, Here's a key matchup. Miles Garrett against Alejandro Villanueva. Garrett's their playmaker, and he could hurt Ben if he gets there. This might be Big Al's biggest challenge to date. I would. I think you're right on it. Absolutely, Miles Garrett is six four, two seventy two of quickness, and he's got uncanny power in his bull rush. When you watch him bull rush, he is classic Lamar Woodley in the prime of his career. He punches with his hands to the chest, leads with that. He puts his forehead right in the chin of an offensive lineman, and then he comes under and up with power. And I watched the preseason game against the Philadelphia Eagles. And he ran over, and I mean he ran over the left tackle from the Eagles three times. Three times this guy ended up on his keister. As you're, if you're an offensive lineman and you're looking upwards and seeing stars, uh, you know that's a real bad indicator that you know something really bad is going on in the backfield. <laughs> so for Al, you've got to be careful because not only will he bull rush, he's got a great up-the-field rush. Remember, it's a wide nine, so he's going to be out a little bit. And he has this nice ability. He goes up the field. He'll suddenly turn when he gets an offensive lineman who will turn and, and end up facing the sidelines with his shoulders and feet parallel. And all of a sudden, he'll turn and go right into the guy and get that great bull rush. Second move he's got to watch for, he'll go up the field, it looks like the bull rush, and all of a sudden he'll reach out with his inside hand and try to chop down the outside arm of Al Villanueva. He'll chop down, and then he'll try to rip up and turn the corner. So you've got two that are very similar, and if you sit too heavy on the one, you'll be slow on the other. You top that off with on his third step, he will break hard to the inside and chop with his inside arm uh, as he's coming across the face of Al. So Al's got to really be careful probably getting the wall going his way, meaning he can overplay to the outside because he'll have the big ragu on his inside, or getting a chip from a back, uh, something. That, and if I was, it was me, I'd say, hey, Munch, I want the wall. I want the chip. I want a tight in front of him. I'm going to take a ball boy out in my back pocket and throw it at him just in case. No question. I might take an axe handle out there just if things go really badly. Uh, another, another matchup. I wonder how the Steelers are going to handle... Jarvis Landry. Very rarely, Wolf, is the slot receiver the big threat, although we saw that here in Pittsburgh for a few years with with Heinz Ward. How will they handle Jarvis Landry? Will it be Mike Hilton picks him up mano-a-mano, or what are some other options? Well, the options are Mike Hilton. It could be Cam Sutton. You know, it could be you don't know exactly how they're going to play this. Uh, or how many DBs will be out there, too. And that's exactly. It depends on what Todd Haley sends out there, whether it's the three wide, whether it's regular Oh, Todd people. will run the gamut. I can tell you that. Yeah, I would think. I would think. I think he's a little fired up for what's about to transpire this weekend. No question. Um, so certainly, here's the thing about Jarvis Landry. He's a physical guy. It's 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 
very apropos that you uh, talk about Heinz Ward because he reminds me of Heinz Ward. Physical guy, one of those guys that uh, likes to catch the ball. He'll stand over you, kind of give you that look. Um, he's He'll catch it and go right at you, too. Absolutely. Uh, this guy, again, is, is one that's going to be after you, and you've got to do a great job of jamming him when you get your hands on him. And if he's if you're in coverage and in, in, in cover, you got to – Watch the quarterback's eyes and make sure because this guy is uh, he is tough. He's a tough performer. Now, uh, the two big weapons for the Steelers, obviously, are Ben and Antonio Brown. Will they be rusty, Wolf? Because they didn't play much in the preseason, and A.B. didn't even really practice very much. You know, I, was, I thought about it until I watched him practice this week. He looks awfully good. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I think you, you draw upon that veteranship and the ability – uh, that he is able to play the game in his mind now. Being a veteran like that, when you stand out there and you watch the practice and you go through all the plays in your mind in what we used to call the gymnastics, you do the mental gymnastics, you play it in the theater of your mind. And I, he looks absolutely terrific. I got no problems. I think uh, Ben and he are going to be, they're going to pick up pretty quick. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that too. Although, by way of disclaimer, I watched that Atlanta Philadelphia game last night. 26 penalties committed by both teams. And that ties into what I said about, you know, Ben and A.B. not practicing or playing much. Well, not playing much in the preseason game, certainly. I think every team does that now, holds the starters mostly out of the exhibitions. And I think that means the execution shows up a bit later than maybe it used to. There's no question that you go into the game flying a little blind. Look, back in the day when Tunch and I were playing, we played, you know, the preseason, it would ramp up. The first game you'd play maybe a quarter. Second game you'd play into the second quarter. Third game you go through to the third quarter. Uh, then the fourth, by the fourth game you were playing through three quarters, maybe even into the fourth quarter. So you're ramping up and you knew where you're at and you're all prime. Now it's, it's not about that. They, they park a lot of guys. So, uh, the first game generally in the first half, you, you hope to come out fast, but a lot of times it's, you kind of get in that feel and you're just kind of working your way through it. Now, um, I hate to say this game is must win, but you don't want to lose at Cleveland. And I think a win would really settle the Steelers down. Uh, I don't think there's a lot of residue from the stuff that happened with Lev and the stuff that was said, but let's make sure there isn't and win the game. Exactly. You've got to go full force coming into Cleveland. Look, it's going to be a raucous, rowdy cloud, uh, crowd there. Because they're is, zero and zero. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's cliche to say anywhere but there. They look forward to zero and zero. <laughs> you are exactly correct. I think that the HBO Hard Knocks has put a lot of hype into Cleveland, and there's a lot of hope there. There's a lot of guys that are, you know, you, at least from the way they, they cut the show, it seems to portray a lot of hope, and I think that conveys over to the community. Look, no that's a great fan base out there. You know, we all know the factory of sadness, which they call it, but, you know, at the end of that, <laughs> when that comic did that, what did he say? I'll see you next week, because that's who the Cleveland fans are. They have great hope, and they stay with their team. So if you don't come out fast and give them hope, you're in for a long day. So you don't want to make that bus ride back be real long by, by coming out there and laying an egg in the first game of the season. My favorite stat in football right now is Ben Roethlisberger is the all-time winningest quarterback in the history of Bronze Stadium. I get such a kick out of that. I always think about that. Who was the quarter, uh, the, the coach, who Butch, uh, Butch Davis? Yeah. When he, they, remarked, they asked him about it, he says, I'm not too big on Big Ben. I wish he could, you could interview him now and say, what do you think now? <laughs> If you remember back when he was in in college, you know, and they were talking about him, and he said, "I'm not too big on him." Didn't think too much. Thank well, God now, they didn't take. Yeah, exactly. 
Uh, you know what I miss? I bet you do too. I miss the old Cleveland Stadium. Oh yeah, I, yeah. I mean, even though this atmosphere at Bronze Stadium is 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 kind of not so with the dog pond, Cleveland Stadium there were more people, and it was like the whole stadium was the dog pond. Oh, there's no question. You came out there from that locker room, which was a baseball locker room, which meant you you dressed in shifts. Okay, you knew you were a vested veteran when you got your own locker at, at Cleveland Stadium. But you'd come down through that tunnel and come out through the dugout. One thing was obvious right away my rookie year. Most of those baseball players don't bother to go all the way back up to the bathroom when they got to relieve themselves in between innings. They just, they'll, they'll, they'll use the, the tunnel in there. But you step out in there and the whole stadium would just rock with just bad vibes for you. And I and remember they were throwing stuff right away. Oh, they? you go down because we had to warm up in the dog pound end. And I'll never forget as rookies, Tunchilkin taking his helmet, unstrapping his chin strap, taking his helmet off and Dwight White yelling, Oh no, no young man. You never take your helmet off down here. But they throw <laughs> stuff at you. And I remember he was severely reprimanded there. That's how wild and raucous it was. It was a great place to play. Wolf, as always, a pleasure. Enjoy the game. Hopefully, we got a win to talk about next week. Let's hope so. We, it sounds like we got some rain coming in, so it'll be interesting. What do you wear? What, do you have a rain slicker? What do you wear? You when better it rains? believe it, man. I, I got the rain slicker and everything on it, man. You're just going to patrol the sidelines. You, you should like get a black and gold one. You could be like a black and gold Gorton's fisherman. <laughs> That's Craig Wolfley. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9. Now the super genius, Mark Madden. Going to be the hoity-toity instead of the hoi polloi. Double M, what's up? Idiots are often happy, but they have no real impact in this world. Unless, of course, they're good enough to make the NFL. The X at 105.9. Thanks to Craig Wolfley. I think that's the best football radio in town. Always a pleasure to have Craig Wolfley on every week. Especially the timing. The Friday before the Steeler game. Can't beat that. Here's a good question. Do you think Lev Bell wants the Steelers to win on Sunday? Or do you think that Bell is praying that the Steelers lose so he can be the missing link? Then again, being the missing link would carry with it a certain amount of blame. All of it, in fact, in the eyes of Yinzer Nation. No quarter brought to you by CW Electrical Services. Make the switch at cwelectricalservices.com. While Wolf was predicting the Browns were going to make a move on their offensive line, while he was on the air, they did it. Uh, The coach, Hugh Jackson, said that Desmond Harrison will start at left tackle against the Steelers, and Joel Batonio goes back to left guard. How much that helps, I'm not sure. It reminds me of rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. Let's get to that tweet by James Farrier. And this clearly addressed the vitriol spoken by Foster, DeCastro, and Ponce upon Le'Veon Bell's no-show on Wednesday. Farrier tweeted, Locker room rules. One, never speak about another man's contract. Two, Never speak about another man's contract. Three, never speak about another man's contract. Wish the man good luck and hope he gets back soon. That's it. That's from James Farrier, and uh, the Steelers have not had many better locker room leaders, many better leaders on and off the field, period, than James Farrier. 
So if he said it, I'm going to take it as gospel. And you got to admit, I have a pretty good feel for a big fat guy that never played the game. Because I said as soon as the Castro, Ponce, and Foster shot off their mouths, that they did the wrong thing by the players' code. And ever since then, every single player has confirmed what I said. Uh, I want to get one quick hockey note in. Actually, it's a football note, too, because Jack Hole at large, Jalen Ramsey, the Jacksonville cornerback, said that if he took up skating, he could play in the NHL with just six months of training. A lot of NHL players really didn't like that. Uh, Jack Eichel, the very talented Buffalo Sabres center, said, I think it's insulting to our league. I think it's ridiculous he would say that. It's ignorant. Here's the quote I like from San Jose winger Evander Kane. I think I'd be about a thousand percent times better at his position in six months than he'd be at mine, unquote. I think that is right on the money. I'd like to see Evander Kane as a DB. Boy, is Ramsey a jackass. Great cornerback, just a stone jackass. If anybody was wondering, I won't be going to Vegas, although I am feeling a little bit better today. But uh, I canceled everything. I'm sad. Really wanted to go see Queen. You know what I'm not ruling out? Not ruling out if I feel great by like Wednesday or Thursday. Just flying out for a couple days to see the second Queen show I have tickets for. That Spirit Airlines, boy, you can't beat it. First class flight, first class seat anyway. Four hour flight nonstop, 350 bucks. Can't beat it. That sounds like an endorsement. I wish it were. It's not, it's just a pretty good deal. At the top of the hour, I'm going to do my annual Steeler prediction. I predict the record and it comes true. Right on the nose, four out of the last six years, just one game off the other two years. And uh, but before we get to that, I got to tell you that I had a certain number in mind before Lev Bell didn't show up. And you'd figure I'd get away from that number in his absence, but I have a hard time doing so. And, and I don't know why. I don't pretend that me picking the Steelers' regular season record is a science. I'm just pretty good at it by hook, crook, luck, whatever. Just like the Pirates are going to finish exactly where I said they would. Which is to say nowhere close to the playoffs. Where are all you Pirate fans at now? Where are all you Pirate bloggers at now? The team turned out to be just what it always is. Just what everybody said it would be. You got 8,800 showing up for games. I got to say, I know exactly what to talk about, when to talk about it, when it's going to fade. And, and again, I, I just can't get excited about Pitt and Penn State. I like the phrase I've coined for it. It's a tailgate party, posing as a football game, posing even further as a rivalry. In just 30 seconds, well, the excitement is so thick I could cut it with a tube of KY jelly. It's my annual Steeler one-loss prediction. And I also got a bunch of prop bet predictions, mini predictions, if you will. It's the Mark Madden Show on 105.9 The X.